Today is February 23rd, 2022, and our first story. Joe Biden has reissued Trump-era sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from Russia over the escalating war in Ukraine. China secretly is backing Russia in hopes that when they move to take Taiwan, they will have support. International conflict is escalating, but hopefully it does not result in some serious global war. In our next story, the National Guard is confirmed to be deployed to D.C. as the U.S. Freedom Convoy makes its way in protest of COVID restrictions in the U.S. And in our last story, CBS News is being slammed for claiming inflation and high gas prices are the result of the Ukraine crisis, even though that crisis is only just beginning and inflation has been extremely high for a long time. Now, if you like the show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. Cyber attacks reportedly have hit Ukraine infrastructure. Families are reporting shelling and gunfire. The conflict has been going on for some time, but it's escalating. Joe Biden recently was asked by Peter Ducey if he underestimated Vladimir Putin. And Joe Biden doesn't answer and then kind of mocks Peter Ducey, not too dissimilar to when in the past he called him a stupid SOB. As it turns out, Joe Biden, I think it's fair to say objectively underestimated Vladimir Putin. Why? The latest news is that Joe Biden is reinstating Trump era sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline after Russia announced they would be sending in peacekeeping forces into eastern Ukraine. The reason this is so insane and frustrating is that in 2019, Donald Trump issued these sanctions and was widely condemned for it. The EU and Russia said, oh, hey, hey, what are you doing? And what happens? Joe Biden in May of 2021 lifts these sanctions and then clears a path, basically, for Putin to say, I can take what I want. What was the thinking here? That Joe Biden said, well, look, Trump put these sanctions on Russia. It's going to make tensions worse. We better remove them. Maybe this is why Vladimir Putin didn't make these moves under the Trump administration, because he knew Trump was laying a heavy hand down. Joe Biden removing these sanctions and Putin says it's time to walk all over and take what we want. Now, Biden has no choice but to reinstate sanctions that were already there. These latest moves from Joe Biden are potentially making things worse. So perhaps it's easy to criticize him and perhaps it's harder and it is to come up with real solutions to how you deal with Vladimir Putin. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers and I will give Joe Biden that. I can certainly look at what he's doing and say, you're flip-flopping. This is ridiculous. But I can also point out there are some real concerns. China has basically got a policy behind closed doors to support Russia because they need Russia if they move on Taiwan. And apparently they let that slip. What is happening in Ukraine absolutely has the potential to escalate into a very serious international conflict. What Russia is doing by moving into eastern Ukraine is it's not the same as as what uh, Nazi Germany was trying to do with, say, the Sudetenland or trying to reclaim areas they believe were ethnically German. But there are similarities. His, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And now my concern is what Joe Biden did with lifting these sanctions was appeasement of a man who's intent on taking what he wants. There's a great story about Vladimir Putin. He asks this guy, you know, can I see your Super Bowl ring? Uh, the guy Kraft, what was his name? Robert Kraft, am I getting his name wrong? And he hands him the ring and Putin puts it on and says, I could kill a man with this. Takes it, puts it in his pocket, walks away. 
It's an old story going back to like 2013, but this is the man that Vladimir Putin is. And Joe Biden, why? For what reason did he lift these sanctions? Appeasement. And what does Putin do in response? Takes more. Then we have the Pacific Theater, where China wants to take Taiwan, and we have to defend that. We have to defend our allies. We have to defend Taiwan. We get a lot of our silicon chips from Taiwan. And if China moves in, we will be in very serious trouble. There is a great potential. I hate to say it, but for serious, let's say serious international conflict. Notice I didn't put World War III in the title because I don't want to play that game of being like, ah, ah, here it comes. But man, watching this stuff really is nerve wracking because you see the failures of the Biden administration. You see the escalation potentially in the Pacific theater. And I have to wonder, man, are we really walking in this direction? I've seen many personalities on the left and the right say right now, our main priority should be to to prevent world war at any cost. But the challenge there is what happens if you just keep appeasing Russia and China? Then you end up in that conflict anyway. I want to break this down for you. I mean, I'm frustrated by all of this stuff. Seeing China's response, seeing the, the, the latest move from Joe Biden just happening earlier today, uh, at, or I should say, as the time of recording this video, and I just, it looks like failure across the board. Donald Trump, you know, for all of his faults, I felt like he was handling Putin at least decently. I think Putin feared the sporadic nature and the madman deterrent that was Donald Trump. And now under Biden, he is walking all over him. Appeasement does not work. I don't want war. I don't want U.S. to be involved in, in, in this conflict. I'm also worried that it's inevitable, but I don't want to I don't want to just be pessimistic. Let's just talk about realism here and see what's going on. So let me read for you the breaking news before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. We have a team of journalists where right now uh, that, that rely on your support. We have got a reporter that's going to be on the ground covering the people's convoy. It's a trucker's convoy, but it includes everybody. And we're getting all of that set up so we can get a dispatch out every day of this trip. We can see these truckers. It's only possible when you guys go to TimCast.com and become members, because that's how we keep everyone employed. I'm eternally grateful that that y'all believe in the mission as much as we do and are willing to support this to get this news product delivered to you. You also get access to our exclusive members-only podcasts, uh, uncensored shows from TimCast IRL. So please support our work there. But don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Let's read the first breaking news from Charlie Spearing of Breitbart. Joe Biden announces sanctions on Nord Stream 2 after initially lifting the Trump era sanctions in May 2021. A statement from President Biden. Since Russia began deploying troops to the Ukrainian border, the United States has worked closely with our allies and partners to deliver a strong unified response. As I said when I met with Chancellor Schultz earlier this month, Germany has been a leader in that effort. And we have closely coordinated our efforts to stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline if Russia further invaded Ukraine. Why did they lift the sanctions in the first place, though? Yesterday, after further close consultations between our two governments, Germany announced that it would halt certification of the pipeline. Today, I have directed my administration to impose sanctions on Nord Stream 2 AG and its corporate officers. These steps are another piece of our initial tranche of sanctions in response to Russia's actions in Ukraine. As I have made clear, we will not hesitate to take further steps if Russia continues to escalate. 
Through his actions, President Putin has provided the world with an overwhelming incentive to move away from Russian gas and to other forms of energy. I want to thank Chancellor Schultz for his close partnership and continued dedication to holding Russia accountable for its actions. In response to this, we have this story. Chinese media accidentally posts CCP rules on Russia-Ukraine coverage hint at Taiwan takeover. I want to revisit this article in a second, but the point I want to get to is in the article they point out China and Russia have developed a tighter bond over the past few years and a relationship that has accelerated in the past few months. China only last week accused the U.S. of playing up the crisis on Ukraine's border after Moscow claimed to have pulled back some of its troops. They go on to say, Robert L. Wilkie, former Undersecretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness during the Trump administration, told Fox China would play a role in mitigating any U.S. sanctions placed on Russia in the event Vladimir Putin authorizes any military action in Ukraine. To put it simply, when the U.S. takes these actions of sanctioning Russia, China intervenes to help prop Russia back up. This is just escalating international conflict. I don't want to blame Biden for this entirely. Donald Trump did impose sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which you very well could argue did escalate tensions. But I think it kept Putin in check at least a little bit. What I think really escalated tensions is that Biden pulls back the sanctions and then allows Russia to basically flow in. And then as soon as that happens, Biden goes, no, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it. Why'd you let him make the move in the first place? It's not all Biden's fault. I got to be I got to be real and I got to be fair. I don't think the guy is up to the task. I don't think his administration is up to the task, but I think this is dominoes falling over and I worry where this leads. Putin is the problem. Now, truth be told, the U.S. has engaged in in warmongering all the same. There's no real position of moral authority here. What the U.S. did with Syria, what the U.S. did with Afghanistan, what the U.S. has a history of doing. It's not there's there's no moral high ground for the United States. Of course, they'll try and claim it. And certainly Putin should not be engaging in this behavior. But we can also go back and say, man, what the U.S. was doing with ISIS and Syria and the Middle East, all bad as well. To put it simply, my position is war is bad. And the U.S., well, they've got their they've got uh, their their problems and their sins to be held accountable for the same. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson. The same as many countries. Neither of these is an excuse for anyone to engage in this kind of conflict. But you know what? This is the dark nature of war. Vladimir Putin feels justified in building that land bridge to Crimea and taking the eastern region. He wants to defend his country. He wants to protect his interests and he will do so. 
The U.S. will do the same thing. And in the end, you get war. There's, 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 there's great challenges to how you solve these problems. And I won't pretend to have the answers because I feel a lot of this is just dominoes being knocked over. Of course, the U.S. would never allow Syria to block a pipeline that would offset a Russian gas monopoly. That's part of the conflict here. And of course, Russia is never going to allow Syria to allow us to do it. So what happens? Well, fortunately for the U.S., if you believe it's fortune, civil war breaks out in Syria. The U.S. backs the rebels to get rid of Assad. Why? Because it's all about energy, getting gas into Europe. And Russia controls a decent amount through Ukraine. And here we are today. Take a look at this news from May of 2021. Biden waives U.S. sanctions on Russian pipeline. They say the Biden admin has waived sanctions on a company building a controversial gas pipeline. The move came in a report on Russian sanctions delivered to Congress. Critics say the pipeline is a major geopolitical prize for the Kremlin. The Department of State report notes that Nord Stream 2 AG and its chief executive, Matthias Warnig, a former East German intelligence officer, engaged in sanctionable activity. But it concludes that it, that it is the U.S. national interest to waive the sanctions. President Joe Biden has said he opposes the $11 billion project. His Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, said during his confirmation hearing that he was determined to do whatever he can to prevent the completion of Nord Stream 2. Why lift these sanctions? You can see that it brings natural gas. I believe it's natural gas. There may be other things being transported from Russia into Germany. Look, I also want to point something out. You see this little map? You see there's a little blue in between Poland and Lithuania, Lithuania, and that's Russia. It's Kaliningrad. Most Americans aren't aware of this tiny piece of Russia off the Baltic Sea. Pay attention to this stuff, man. It's very serious. America's top diplomat met his Russian counterpart at an international summit in Iceland. So this is back in May. They pulled these sanctions back. The question is, why did they do it? Only to reimpose it now. I look at it this way. You have a, uh, um, a dam in a river. And some people don't like that it was put there. But it's holding back the tides. It's holding back the water. The new president gets elected and he says, open the dam and water starts pouring through. And he goes, oh, no, why is that happening? What do you what do you mean? Why is it happening? It's obvious why it's happening. There's a reason the sanctions were put in place in the first place. Here's the story. December 21st, 2019, Nord Stream 2, Trump approves sanctions on Russian gas pipeline. The U.S. considers the project a security risk to Europe. Both Russia and the EU have strongly condemned the sanctions. Congress voted through the measures as part of a defense bill last week, and the legislation which described the pipeline as a tool of coercion was signed off by Mr. Trump on Friday. It wasn't just Trump. It was Democrats and many people in Congress as well. And you know what? Maybe it was the right move. They say the Trump administration fears the pipeline will tighten Russia's grip, Russia's grip over Europe's energy supply and reduce its own share of the lucrative European market for American liquefied natural gas. So Biden comes in and lifts these sanctions. They were claiming Trump was working for Putin and he did this. What's Biden doing? Take a look at this story from the Daily Mail. Biden sits in silence and picks his teeth after being asked if he underestimated Putin. It's just so infuriating to watch. I will say it again. I don't have answers for Joe Biden. I cannot in good conscience and principle, claim everything is his fault because it's just not true. I don't think he is the leader we need right now. And that's what is frustrating me. Yo, I get it, Democrats. I get it, Biden. This is complicated. 
It is difficult. How do you deal with a man like Putin? We don't want war. We don't want U.S. troops going in. But we sit back. Appeasement doesn't work. But yo, Biden, you can't just sit there and smugly cross your arms at a journalist who asked you a very serious question. Did you underestimate Putin? Now, I get it. I get it. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? But he comes out and, 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 he, and he basically uh, he basically mocks him. He basically mocks him. It's not the first time he's done this. And I just I'm, I'm just sick of Joe Biden's smugness. You are not doing a good job, Mr. President. I don't blame you for everything. It's fine if you're not doing a good job. It's, it's, it's fine in the sense that I can understand it's hard. It's not fine in that it's causing various serious problems globally. But at the very least, a little humility could go a long way. This is what really, really, man, it's not the first sanctions Biden has put in place. We have the story from Reuters. There's been sanctions placed on Russian uh, banks and elites. Now we've got reports of, of shelling going off. Ukraine family reveals horror of hiding from gunfire. All of this is nightmarish. Ukraine hit with fresh cyber attacks as U.S. gives new invasion warning. You know, I don't know who to believe. Of course, you've got propaganda efforts across the board. A state of emergency is being declared in Ukraine. Conflict is rising. And I just wish we had a better leader. I don't I don't think Donald Trump is the best president we've ever had. In fact, honestly, far from it. I think Donald Trump was all right. I think he was better than a lot of what the Democratic establishment and the Republican establishment had to offer. And I think Donald Trump was, he's a bull in a china shop that at least provided some deterrence. You know, not everything that happened internationally with our adversaries was, was good. I mean, there were bad things happening. North Korea was wagging, you know, saber rattling, of course. But Donald Trump's a scary dude. And you know what's funny is when I said, I tweeted, Vladimir Putin was scared of Donald Trump. I get all these lefty establishment people being like, no, he wasn't. Jermaine Clement, great comedian, musician, fan of the guy, but I disagree with him. <clears throat> he posted a picture of Putin and Trump standing next to each other and then made it seem like Putin was not afraid of Trump. Are you joking? You don't get to come out and scream fascism is taking over in the U.S. and we must do everything by any means necessary to stop Trump and claim you were not scared of the man. For many reasons, you were scared of the man. And I'm not saying you're scared of him because he's going to come at you and smack you in the face. You're scared because you don't know what he's going to do because he's unpredictable. There's an advantage there. There's a major detriment there, too. I mean, it's not all good. But now we're watching chaos in Ukraine, escalation in Ukraine. And it didn't happen under Trump. Why? Because Putin knew Trump was unpredictable and he was a madman. Trump's own supporters call him a madman. They call him a madman as a compliment. They say the madman has done it. And the left calls him a madman pejoratively. And I think Putin realized that, too. I'm not saying that we should just have Trump for the sake of having a crazy guy in office or anything like that. I'm just saying, man, Biden, what, what, what did he what did he said something like he called it Ukraine or something Ukraine. And people are like, I can't even talk. There's a funny story. Apparently, Joe Rogan said he didn't vote, vote for Joe Biden because that guy can't talk. What do you think Putin's thinking? What do you think Xi Jinping is, is thinking? Xi Jinping is thinking when he sees this. Yo, we need new leadership and we need it fast. I'll tell you this, man. 
I would absolutely prefer Kamala Harris in the presidency over over Joe Biden. No joke, because she's crazy, because she's a despotic individual, because she is an aggressive individual. I think she's awful. I think she's evil. But at the very least, she might scare people. Nasty person. I got to be honest. If the choice is Kamala or Biden, I'll take Kamala because at least she can, at, at least she, she talks. Truth be told, they're both the bottom of the barrel worst we could possibly have right now. I don't know who you get. I say Trump is better than both of them. I think DeSantis is better than all of them. But I don't, I'm not even the biggest fan of DeSantis, mind you. I just think he's better. I don't have all the answers, man. I really, really don't. I'm not going to play this game of armchair uh, general being like, I think Joe Biden should have done all of these things. But I think it's fair to say as much as I don't have the answers, it's fair for all of us when we point to Joe Biden and his actions and say, dude doesn't have the answers either. You know, you can be part of a group of people watching a house burn down and the guy in charge is like, quick, spray the water over here and the fire gets worse. And you're like, look, I don't know how to put this fire out, but I can tell you what he's doing ain't working. In fact, the fire is getting worse. Maybe we try and elect someone else to do it, to try and solve this problem. In the meantime, we have this websites of some of Ukraine's government ministries appear to be affected by a new round of cyber attacks Wednesday as the U.S. reportedly warned Kiev that a full scale Russian invasion could begin within the next 48 hours. I don't trust the U.S. on, on these issues. They, they come out and they, 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 they push the line because they want war. They've lost credibility to me. I will tell you this. If, if Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin are standing in front of me and Joe Biden says, come on, man, you know, they're going to invade. And Putin says, no, we're not. I'd be like, well, truth be told, I don't like either of you. But in reality, if I have to make a choice, I'm going to be siding with Joe Biden over Vladimir Putin. I think Joe Biden is a bad guy. I think he's exploited this, his office. I think he's as corrupt as they come. I really do. But I at least think, well, the corrupt guy lives in this country. I mean, that gives us something. You know what I mean? When you look at the elites of any nation, Joe Biden and his cronies and his administration may not care about you or I, but you can count on one thing. They care about their mansions and letting, letting Vladimir Putin win is still bad for them. You can always count on their self-interest. So at the, in that case, I say, okay, well, you know, at least there's that. The U.S. doesn't do it itself any favors here, man. We got crazy stories. Take a look at this. Power station in flames amid intensive shelling near separatist areas in Ukraine. Yo, man, you don't want this stuff. I mean, there's reports of potential Ukrainian refugees. I hope the U.S. Is, starts a plan to try and get, get some of these people out of there. I don't think they should immediately be coming to the United States. I think some of them perhaps is an opportunity for, for, for people of merit to come to the U.S. and get away from the conflict. I think the neighboring states should be opening the doors to Ukrainian refugees from the east as things escalate. I believe that's, that's, that's fine and fair. It needs to be done rationally, reasonably, and with great control. I, 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 I think the people of Ukraine are good people, man. And it is, it is, it is, it is terrifying and, and disheartening to see how they are exploited throughout all of these great conflicts over, over the centuries, to be completely honest, over the past hundred plus years has been just nightmarish for these people. And I say this is true, you know, for, for the Middle East as well. I'm no fan of these wars. Let, let people live. You know, they might not have access to the same technology, but these are their lives. And this is what's happening right now in Ukraine. The Ukrainian military issues orders to mobilize reservists aged 18 to 60 will be called up. 
The call will start today. I hope people realize what life is like for people who don't live in the United States. Reservists age 60. When you are dealing with real war, you do not have the luxury of saying just men 18 to 40 or men 18 to 35. You don't. You say anyone who can hold a weapon needs to. And that includes women and children. That's the horrifying reality of real war. But you know what? We are so used to these, these uh, conventions, these international laws and mandates and luxury that we in the United States, we have great technology. We have aircraft carriers. We have nuclear weapons. We have multiple independently targeted reentry vehicles, ICBMs capable of carrying 10 to 12 warheads, wipe out the whole eastern seaboard of some nation with one, with one launch. We have those luxuries. So when we send people to war, it's, well, dudes, 98%, I think, of combat deaths. But when you're talking about an actual invasion, if you're talking about someone crossing our borders and entering the United States, those luxuries don't exist. You only know these reforms because we are secure. So thank your lucky stars that the United States is as powerful as it is. Feminism will not exist in an actual war. No, actually, I can say maybe it will in a certain respect, because when the war happens, you're going to be handing rifles to young women and saying it's this or nothing. If we actually got to the point where the U.S. was invaded, which I don't think is possible, mind you, terrain wise and the fact that we Americans love our guns. But I assure you, if a bunch of communist Chinese uh, ground troops were marching through your town, everyone would have to take up arms. It is the point of the Second Amendment. Many people say 2A is about defending the U.S. from tyrannical government. Yes, but potentially foreign government. The idea is simple. There is a gun behind every blade of grass. You set foot in the United States and rest assured you will be greeted by heavy gunfire. But in the event that something like that that does happen, don't be surprised if you see children bearing arms. Isn't it horrifying, the reality of war? It is. And we can condemn it, and we should condemn it. But I'll tell you, man, you know what movie I love to cite is The Patriot with Mel Gibson. He goes out to ambush British regulars, and he brings his two young children, like 10 and 12 years old, and he gives them muskets. This is the reality of war when you don't have a choice. When your life, when your, when your, when your liberty, when your home, when your food are all being threatened. You have to do whatever it takes to survive. This is the horror of war. It's why I hate it. It's why I think we should do everything to avoid it. And it's why it's so disheartening when it feels inevitable. And that's the scary reality. Russia is evacuating its embassy in Ukraine. We're hearing that Ukraine, Zelensky, the president, has ordered uh, Ukrainians in Russia to get out now. from, From The Guardian. Russian troops are remaining indefinitely in Belarus as fears rise of Ukraine invasion. You know, I don't want to believe it. Um, I said last night we had a great conversation with Steve Renee of Fortitude Ranch. I said, I, I, I can't believe Russia would actually invade from the north through Belarus and come into Kiev. That would rope Belarus into this conflict. And now we're into substantial regional war, full on war. But that's some of the reports. The reports are that the Russians would invade Kiev 
and hunt down supporters of President Zelensky. I don't believe it. But you got to understand, man. 2014, take a look at this map, Ukraine. 2014, you had Yanukovych. He was seemed seemingly sympathetic to Russia, that he was you know more favorable to Russia than NATO. Ukraine is being torn apart as NATO and the EU are trying to court, uh, court the country, give them resources. But Russia also wants to do the same thing. Yanukovych kind of played it both ways. He was like, what are you going to give me? Oh, you're going to give me that? Well, hey, Russia, what are you going to give me? Then all of a sudden, this protest erupts, the Euromaidan protest. I was actually there on the ground for several months. It ultimately results in the ousting of Yanukovych. People actually went into his palace, his mansion, and were like taking stuff. He fled to Moscow. Now you have Zelensky, who's very pro-West. While I don't believe Russia would make such an aggressive move to go through Belarus to try and enter Kiev, it's possible because they, I'm sure Russia views, Putin views Zelensky as a puppet of the West. Take a look at Belarus. You've got right here through uh, Gamal. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. They could come right in and then come down to go straight to Kiev. I seriously can't imagine that. This is the Donbass region over here on this map. Let me show you. You've got Luhansk and Donetsk. Crimea, Sevastopol, right down here, was taken in 2014. Russia claims they voted and they become part of uh, Russia. And now you can see there's this dotted line on Google Maps. It's really fascinating because it's contested territory. It's kind of scary. That's the case, right? Russia claims Crimea has been annexed. It's theirs now. Luhansk, uh, Luhansk and Donetsk claim to be independent, and Russia has announced they now recognize them. The full regions as independent, and they want to move in troops. The idea is they would then move down through uh, Melitopol, probably pronouncing that wrong as well, to create that land bridge access into Crimea. I don't know for sure. I really, really don't. I can only speculate. But if you move further north, Kiev is pretty far away. I mean, that would be a bold move to try and move through Belarus, but the troops are up there, and the fears are real that it could happen. I sit here and I say to you, my friends, I can't imagine that happens. But are we just the naive like in Europe during World War II, Neville Chamberlain, to believe that that Adolf Hitler would only take these lands? He said, these these regions are ethnically German and we must defend our people. And they said, "Okay, after they take those lands, that's where they'll stop. Peace in our time. And that wasn't true. And they just declared war and they pushed and they pushed. And boy, were those people absolutely psychotic. I don't think Putin is Hitler. I don't think Putin is going to uh, stage a holodomor like we saw with the Soviet Union. I certainly think, though, he is ready and capable for expansive war. And that's scary because it's happening. And if China genuinely believes that they need Russia support to take Taiwan, they will give support in exchange. That's what they're doing. That story I, I mentioned early on, take a look at what's happening. China media accidentally post their rules. What they're saying is, according to the rules, they will not disparage Russia over what's happening in Ukraine because they need their support. Quote, in the future, China will also need Russia's understanding and support when wrestling with America to solve the Taiwan issue once and for all. They said, Ming said that it doesn't hurt to use moderately pro-Russia language. That's the game. That's where we're headed. They want Taiwan. They want Russia's support. Russia and China together is a very, very real threat to the United States and to international stability. What's the answer? Do we appease Russia and do nothing? 
Well, then Russia takes Ukraine, more and more of it. China takes Taiwan and the U.S. sits back and just dissolves. I mean, it's power, I should say, the empire. I want to believe Russia won't uh, continue to expand into Ukraine, but I don't believe it. They have absolutely no reason to stop. None. If Joe Biden allows this, and I don't know if he has any other choices, Vladimir Putin knows the name of the game. Every five years, you let the sentiment build up, make a declaration that we're going to recognize their independence and you move in. They did it with Crimea. They're doing it with the East. Now I'll play the other side. There is some truth. Ukraine is divided. In Ukraine, in the West, they're very much more pro-Europe, pro-EU. Access to the European Union would be a major boost for the Ukrainian economy and for Ukrainian individuals who can then freely travel the European Union and find work. In eastern Ukraine, they're very much more Russian and they speak Russian. It's very different. So as this conflict is happening, there are parts of Ukraine with genuine people, like legitimate people say, I don't want to be a part of the West. But I have Polish friends. I have Ukrainian friends. And what I understand from many of these people, regardless of where they're from, they fear the Soviet or, or reemergence of, of, of the Soviet Union. Vladimir Putin assures them they've rejected communism and that won't come to them, that they want prosperity and there's better ways to do it. But I think you'll get the boot. Not that America and the West is all that special, mind you. Trudeau certainly gave the boot to his people. But there are people who are afraid and they look to the U.S. as a freeing force and, and they look to Russia as an occupying force. Although there's an inversion there as well. Some people feel uh, the opposite is true. All I can say is I feel like war is coming and we don't want it. I mean, war is probably here. Imagine you take a look at Kaliningrad. It's heavily militarized. Lithuania is really worried about that because they will be slammed from from two different fronts. Belarus has got Russian soldiers there. We'll see, man. I hope we can get a new president in soon, but this is Putin's opportunity, and he knows it. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. It is now confirmed the National Guard will be deployed to the Washington, D.C. area over fears around the U.S. Freedom Convoy protest and the State of the Union address. Now, there's a lot of conflicting information coming out about the Freedom Convoy there's a ton of different maps. We don't know exactly where, what route the truckers will be taking. In fact, it may actually be that there's like four or five different U.S. Freedom Convoy protests because we're hearing a ton of conflicting information, but it may not be conflicting information. It, in fact, may be complementary information. That when one group says they're leaving from Barstow, when one group says they're leaving from Central California, one says they're leaving from L.A., it may actually be a bunch of different groups. Now, there's a ton of information coming out. The U.S. Freedom Convoy, at least one of them, has raised over $300,000 already for their protest, but they're not expecting to be in D.C. until March 5th. Now, there's been reports that the convoy would make it to D.C. just in time for Joe Biden's State of the Union. The information we have on at least one convoy suggests that isn't the case, but certainly D.C. is panicking. Not only are the National Guard troops being deployed in D.C., but previous reporting from TimCast.com, the activation of the D.C. National Guard would be the first use of a new law created after the January 6th Capitol riots. And that's where things are starting to get spicy, I suppose. Now, look, 
the Ottawa protests, the, the Freedom Convoy up there, extremely effective. You saw they were forced, the establishment elites, to rip the mask off and stomp the boot down in regular working people. It was so extreme that even leftists and establishment activists or establishment elites were shocked. Now, of course, let's be real. Most Democrats actually supported what Trudeau has done. And that's horrifying. There's a viral tweet going around that says that liberal friend of yours who supported Trudeau is not a friend to you, but a, but a, a direct and imminent threat. Now, that kind of language is disconcerting. Well, calm down, calm down. Hold on there a minute. I see your point. And it is scary because when you when you're we'll put it this way. You're standing in the street with your liberal friend and a man like Trudeau steps up and says, I am going to start freezing bank accounts. I am going to start detaining people and denying them bail and stealing from them. And you say, you know what? It's too bad for you, mister. The two of us right here, we ain't going to allow it. We oppose you. And because we are the majority, there's nothing you can do about it. But then your friend turns to you and says, actually, no, we're the minor. We're the majority. You're the minority. Your liberal friend next to you says, I agree with him. And then he fans him over. The guy comes and takes your stuff. That's the real danger. That's about 45 percent. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's probably wrong. But but around I'm sorry, it's 35 percent of people in this country agree with what Trudeau has done. It's fascism. It's it's look, it, you know, I hate to use the word fascism because it's a new era. It's a, it's 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 something different. There's, the technology is there. It's not necessarily communism. It is this global elitist authoritarianism needs a new word. I don't know. Some people have funny names for it, but there you go. I want to show you this first. The U.S. trucker convoy is raising over $300,000 ahead of Wednesday's departure and then go down, go get into what's going on with the National Guard and why Democratic voters are freaking out, why they would support something like this. So first, some context on the convoy. A people's convoy of American truckers heading from California to D.C. has already raised over $300,000 ahead of their departure on Wednesday. The group who are protesting COVID-19 restrictions is raising money through the American Foundation for Civil, Civil Liberties and Freedom and said that they had raised $311,362 as of Monday morning. According to a press release obtained by Timcast, the People's Convoy will be meeting at the Atalanto Stadium in Southern California at 10 a.m. local time. The trucker, quote, the truckers and blue collar workers of the United States will be joined by freedom loving supporters from all walks of life frontline doctors, lawyers, first responders, former military servicemen and women, students, retirees, mothers, fathers, and children on this peaceful and law-abiding transcontinental journey toward the East Coast. The truckers encourage one and all to come out to the stadium in the heart of Atalanto, California, to wish them well, see them off, and join them in their journey. The group added, this convoy is about freedom and unity. The truckers are riding unified across party and state lines and with people of all color and creeds, Christians, Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, Mormons, agnostics, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, Republican, Democrats. All individuals are welcome to participate by either attending the launch gathering at, at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, February 23rd at Atalanto Stadium. So that's that's today in a few hours or a few hours from the recording of the segment or by getting their own vehicles and following the big rigs from Atalanto toward the East Coast. 
Their objective, according to the statement, is to demand the country be reopened. To that end, it's time for elected officials to work with blue collar and white collar workers of America and restore accountability and liberty by lifting all mandates and ending the state of emergency as COVID is well in hand now. And Americans need to get back to work in a free and unrestricted manner. I think it's going to work. I do. Um, first, a lot of the mandates are already being removed, right? Uh, we had this funny situation here in, in Frederick County, Maryland, where, this is hilarious, they, they implement a mask mandate for like one month. And there's like, there's no reason they did it. They just announced, oh, we're doing the mask mandate again. And it's like, why? And they're like, oh, you know, it's winter and we're worried. And then cases went down and they're like, okay, we're going to remove the mask mandate now. And, and so a lot of people respond with like, well, maybe the mask stopped it. And it's like, cases were going down. They've been going down everywhere. No, it was a bunch of morons in some stupid local government being like, let's just do it. And no one listened. This is the important part. They implemented the mask mandate. Nobody abided by it. So they kind of just with their tail between their tail between their legs, it's like, okay, take it down. It didn't work. Nobody's listening anymore. You have open and active defiance. So I think the remainder of these mandates, I think will be greatly impacted by this, but we'll see. I mean, even in DC, they've already gotten rid of their vax mandate. So it seems like this is more of a victory parade than an actual protest, to be completely honest. They say, along with the statement, the group released their tentative routes for others who wish to join along the way. The People's Convoy route is listed as follows. So here we go. Now, look, there's, there's a lot of conflicting information here. It's really hard to know exactly what's going on with this. On day one, they're at uh, uh, Adelanto Stadium in California. They're going to arrive in Kingsman, Arizona, day two. Lupton, Arizona, day three. They're going to depart from Glen Rio, Texas, day four. Depart from Elk City, Oklahoma, day five. Depart Venita, Oklahoma, day six. Depart uh, Sullivan, uh, Missouri, uh, March 1st. Depart Indianapolis on uh, March 2nd. And then what does it say? Oh, they're going to stay. They're going to stay in Indianapolis for an extra day, it appears. And then they'll be a, uh, uh, so on March 3rd, they'll still be uh, in Indianapolis. And then uh, March 4th, Cambridge, Ohio, where they will be arriving in Hagerstown, Maryland for an overnight stay. And then on Saturday, March 5th, they will be departing Hagerstown to head for the DC Beltway. So uh, we're actually really, really close to Hagerstown and not super close. I think it's like a half an hour, 40 minutes away. So we're really excited to see what, what happens with this. We were trying to get a, a reporter on the ground to embed. Not easy, ta not an easy task considering the conflicting information and the costs, but um, we're, we're, we're working on it. So that should be really interesting. Now, once they arrive in D.C., you've got the Capitol Police calling for National Guard and they are being deployed. Just really quickly, though, Rasmussen reports uh, uh, posted a, a poll. Would you support a U.S. based trucker convoy protest? Yes, 54 percent. No, 38. So. I think it's going to be interesting. I think we'll see something um, particularly unique here in D.C. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. The National Guard is terrified. I shouldn't say the National Guard is terrified. The, the D.C. establishment elites, they're terrified that these truckers are going to choke out 43 specific points and shut down the beltway. It's possible. The Guardian reports National Guard troops to be deployed in D.C. as trucker convoy protests loom. The Pentagon is expected to approve the deployment of 700 to 800 unarmed National Guard troops to the nation's capital, a U.S. official said on Tuesday, in the face of trucker convoys that are planning protests against pandemic restrictions beginning next week. The District of Columbia government and the U.S. Capitol Police are requesting the National Guard assistance. 
The troops would be used largely to help control traffic and are expected to come from the district's National Guard and three states, said the official, who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss aid not yet formally approved. Modeled after the Canadian protest, as we understand, John Kirby, the Pentagon press secretary, said the D.C. government and Capitol Police had requested National Guard personnel to provide support at traffic control points in and around the district and stay ready in case of possible disruptions at key traffic arteries. He, too, said no formal decision on the request has been made. Now, I got to pause there already because we've got anonymous sources. Fox News has already reported that, according to sources, they are going to be deploying National Guard. And the fascinating thing here is it's the first use of a law created after January 6th. So this article from Timcast.com uh, talks about the potential for the release of the National Guard, the, the deployment, sorry. If activated, the Guard would provide vehicles and personnel at 43 critical blocking positions 24-7, according to the Military Times. Law enforcement agencies around D.C. have received reports of a potential truck convoy planning to block roads in major metropolitan cities in the U.S. So here's where it gets interesting. Apparently, their fear is it's not just D.C., that these truckers, they're going to be coming and staying in these cities, shutting down each of these cities effectively overnight. And that's about it. Now, interestingly, it looks like the truckers have decided they're going to uh, arrive in Indianapolis on the evening of March 1st. It says, depart Indianapolis area, pause for rest in Indianapolis uh, for an overnight stay. I wonder if that's a typo. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it is. It looks like they're planning on staying an extra day in, in, in Indianapolis. So perhaps there's going to be these, these, these jam ups, uh, um, these, these occupations in all these cities. I wonder if the, 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 um, these cities are, are chosen specifically because of some kind of mandate or, or otherwise. Now, TimCast.com reports, you know, the, the USCP is closely coordinating with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies, including D.C.'s Metropolitan Police Department, the United States Park, to Police, Park Police, the United States Secret Service, and other allied agencies to include the D.C. National Guard. If the National Guard is activated, it would be one of the first uses of a new law to ease requests for emergency assistance from the National Guard. The new law was enacted following the January 6th Capitol riots. Fascinating. They won't deploy the National Guard. Actually, I'll put, there's a funny tweet. They said, actually, I think I could pull it up, actually. Let me see if I can get this one. This is the Daily Mail, and they highlight this, uh, this tweet here. Gail Trotter says, I suspect DZ, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser isn't going to authorize a Freedom Convoy Plaza anytime soon. Yeah. Because we're two different countries at this point. It's not even a question. In D.C., when Black Lives Matter says we protest, they say we're going to rename the street after you. I mean, look, the cities, they're gone. They, they, they are no longer part of the constitutional republic. They've been usurped. They've been conquered. It's, 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 and it was fast and um, kind of scary. You know, look, I, I live five years ago. I could tell you that people in cities uh, six years ago, I can tell you that um, they were mostly liberal Americans, but something happened over the past 10 years that rapidly, um, that rapidly changed things, uh, escalated the shift, and now we have a multicultural democracy versus a constitutional republic. The United States has always been a constitutional republic with democratic institutions. When our presidents and leaders said we would export democracy or things like that, they're referring to the democratic institutions. Our system of governance has always been a constitutional republic. But now we have something else. People who are marching in lockstep with the majority, regardless of what is right or wrong, 
and it is evil. It has always been evil. Democracy is, uh, you know, direct democracy, this idea is just a lie. Now they'll tell you, yeah, yeah, but as long as you can protect the minority groups, that's just not what they're doing. These people in these big cities are stripping the rights away from minority groups. I mean, look at what they do to uh, conservatives, right? The Republican Party is the minority political party, right? So what do you get? Well, if you protest, they put you in solitary confinement. If the majority party, the Democrats, protest, they get a, 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 a the red carpet rolled out. Now, in reality, the Democrats aren't the majority of this country. It's just of the two political parties, the Democratic Party is bigger. And when they take institutional power, they exploit it to an extreme degree. And Republicans do nothing about it because Republicans are pathetic, spineless cowards. Except for a small handful of people like Thomas Massey or Rand Paul. Uh, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, they exist for sure. Josh Hawley does a pretty good job. Ted Cruz, eh, I'll give him a C plus. He's not the best. But there are some Republicans. For the most part, the Republican Party, what is it? The Democratic Party is the party of bad ideas. The Republican Party is the party of no ideas. That's what they say, isn't it? I wonder why this is. Exclusive poll, majority of Democrats back Trudeau's crackdown, freezing bank accounts of truckers. It's a scary prospect. Uh, A poll from Trafalgar Group shows 65% of Democrats approve of what Trudeau has done. I mean, they're talking about stealing people's rigs and selling them because they engaged in a peaceful protest. And there are people who support that. They're evil people. You know, look, there there, there really is good and evil. And when I was younger, um, I very much believed, uh, I, I, I had an interesting view on all this when I was younger. I thought to myself, if, if, you know, I see these movies and these tropes of, uh, you know, ancient times and someone would be like, convert to my religion or perish. And the guy would be like, I will never reject my God or whatever. And I was like, that's crazy. Just lie. You could just say words and live. Why wouldn't you? And I thought about, you know, and then as I got older and I started seeing what was going on, I'm like, now I get it. Now I understand why people will not, they will not abide by it. They will not agree to it. And now I understand, you know, I understand a lot better that compromising with evil is, is evil. So, when, you know, when I was younger, I thought there's no good and evil. There's just subjective moralities. And that's technically true. But then I started to have, you know, I started to do as I started to read more and learn more and, and, and better understand the world, what life is, what life does, what we do as humans, what humans universally tolerate. I said, you know what? There actually is universal morality. And I think when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't understand it. But, there, you know, I'd read, I'd read about ancient Greece and the horrifying things they did. And I'd be like, so how can that be good or evil if people used to do it and it was considered good? Well, no, there really is universal morality. The issue, I suppose, is that it's not 100%. You know, the morals people hold are a mixture of subjective values and um, universal uh, absolutes, as it were. Absolute probably is not the right word because it is an absolute. But, you know, looks just because there are murderers and serial killers doesn't mean that people tolerate murder. They don't. Most people anywhere in the world do not tolerate murder. And when you realize that, you say, OK, well, there is something to this. There is something deeply intrinsic within humans that says this this practice is bad. Now. What, what, what I would say is we then get into the nitty gritty of different kinds of murder. So 
in the instance of walking up to a random person, or let's say this, a child, right? I do not believe there would be any, there's any culture where a child is playing and abiding, like just minding their own business and someone comes up and harms that murders that child. Murders. Every Every society would be like, okay, that was wrong. Now, hold on there a minute. I understand there's ritual sacrifice in some cultures. I think that's evil. I think that if you have 98.7% of people being like, you've killed a child for no reason. Yeah, that's, you know, something universal to humans. The way I see it is there there are certain uh, types of, you know, actions that are universally uh, considered wrong. But there's deviations. There's human human developmental error, right? So if someone's got a brain issue and they're whacked out, well, they're, that's not the human experience, right? That being said, there is something to say about whether or not it's truly universal morality or not. I just think that for the most part, humans typically agree on, on, on a handful of things, no matter where they come from, and that those things are related to being alive, of course, then there's other questions about taking someone else's rights or trampling them. The left doesn't think they're evil. They think they're the good guys. But I believe that acting in a way that is detrimental to the human experience, um, that seeks to create, protect, and flourish, develop, and innovate, and explore, I think these things, for the most part, are evil. I know there's a lot of nuance to get into. So when I look at what Trudeau is doing, you have a regular person driving a truck, and he says... I do not believe you have the right to steal from us, to destroy our lives like you did. They have used their, their, uh, they have abused their power to shut down businesses and destroy lives, to force people to be injected. It's evil. It's it's, it's outright evil. Individual choice matters. Otherwise, what are we but slaves? And so they protest. So Trudeau destroys their lives further. Evil. You take a look at the Democratic voter who support this. You know what I think this is? I think it's the banality of evil. Why? I don't think these people know at all. Um, I don't think they know anything about what's going on. From TimCast.com, Gallup poll shows Democrats tuning out news coverage during Biden presidency. So let let me actually pull up the Axios graph here. And you can see right here, percentage of Americans who pay a great deal of attention to the news by political affiliation. Democrats have stopped paying attention as of what? September of last year. So what does that mean? These people who support Trudeau don't even know what he's doing. They don't know about the bank accounts. They don't know about the, uh, the, the single mother who donated 50 bucks. The truckers were driving down the road. Nothing about it was illegal. She gave them 50 bucks. Then it became an occupation. They froze her bank accounts evil. These people don't know that. That's no excuse. There, there, there is no excuse. If you actively support a fascist, dictator, authoritarian, anybody, or Trudeau, if you actively support people like him, you're complicit. Take some responsibility for your actions. You are the one providing your support, and your ignorance is no excuse for what you have done. And that's where we are. Now, I hope things remain peaceful, and I think they will be. I think these truckers have tact, and I think they know what they're doing. So it should be interesting to see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I have news that may be shocking to many of you. You may be experiencing inflation, high prices on goods, 
fuel? Well, if you were wondering why that is, look no further than the Ukraine-Russia conflict. That's right. Several months ago, when you noticed that food was costing you more money, a year ago when there were food shortages, it was actually because there's a rift in the time-space continuum. And so you see what happens is Russia invades Ukraine, triggering this time ripple effect, which sends waves of inflation back in time. All right, all right, all right, enough of the bit. CBS News ripped for blaming inflation, other economic issues on Ukraine crisis. News scapegoat has dropped. Inflation already hit a 40-year high earlier this month when the consumer price index rose 7.5%. And yes, inflation has consistently been hitting decade highs over the past several months. And we can blame Biden for some of it. I think it's absurd to blame Biden for literally all of it. And there is some interesting nuance here because, well, Fox News, you want to play a game? Let's play a game. I do think that CBS... They, they, they played their hand a little too hard on this one, trying to carry water for Joe Biden. However, they're not completely wrong. You see, what's happening is CBS says, are, are you experiencing high gas prices? Well, look at what's going on in Ukraine. And you're like, wait a minute, that just started. All right. There's, a, there's some nuance there, to be sure. Biden is at fault for a lot of the economic problems we're facing. But now everyone's trying to act like CBS outright blamed all of the inflation on what's happening in Ukraine. No, they just played their hand a little bit too hard because it does seem, well, maybe I'll put it this way. They jumped the gun. They jumped the gun because they found a scapegoat. But the reality is even Fox News themselves have stated this. On uh, Fox News is the five, inflation and gas prices will get much worse if Russia invades Ukraine. You see, here's the key difference, though. For those of you, my good friends, who uh, don't like Fox News, the liberal viewer uh, hate watches these videos, or actually the legitimate li liberal viewer who, who liked my videos, I respect respect that greatly. Thank you very much. Um, you see, Fox News said on February 21st, it will get worse. CBS tweets, the U.S. economy has been hit with increased gas prices, inflation, and supply chain issues due to the Ukraine crisis. Yo, it literally just happened. You see, this is the dirty game they play. While Fox News is not wrong to say things will get worse, they're already bad. CBS is trying to play this game where they're like, it's bad because of the Ukraine crisis. They were waiting for this moment to carry water for Joe Biden. They use a morsel of truth and they stretch it beyond recognition. I've criticized Alex Jones for exactly the same. And they wonder why it is I'm critical of the establishment media apparatus and their smears against people like Alex Jones. Look, you know, Alex, in my opinion, often will take a story that's legitimate and then really just kind of reach with what the implications are. Not always. Alex Jones has been right on many occasions, so much so that you've got people like Joe Rogan saying like, hey, he was right about this one. And it's true. But the truth be told, many outlets are right about a lot of things. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that the corporate press... Well, it's 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 we're in a strange world. I'll, I'll say it mildly because I do think Alex Jones gets a lot wrong. He really, really does. When you make a hundred random predictions, you, you you end up getting a bunch of them right. But the reality is, Alex has been right about a lot of things, legitimately right with legitimate research. They don't like to hear that. You know, when I when I said in the past that Alex Jones 
uh, during the 20, it was a 2016 cycle. I said, Infowars is trying to be like a, a right-wing Huffington Post. They got mad and they were like, but, but Infowars is conspiracy nonsense. And I'm like, have you read their articles? It'll be like Trump does X. It'll, it's the inversion of what the Huffington Post was doing. But anyway, I digress. This is the game they play. If it wasn't for independent media, you genuinely believe your, your strife, your struggles were caused by Russia. They do things like this because there's a morsel of truth here. Experts can say it. People like me will be forced to admit there is a morsel of truth here. But then they can point the finger at Russia and say, this, my friends, is why you want war. Why should I care about the eastern, the, the Donbass region of Ukraine when our southern border is in shambles? Now, look, I think we should care about Ukraine. I know, I know. Ignoring it would be a problem. And we can't just I, I, I worry that if if Putin is allowed to keep doing what he's doing, then we effectively have like the World War Two appeasement of Hitler and, and Putin will keep pressing. He's not going to stop where he's where he where he's at. Oh, I just I just want to support the independent regions. Sure. It was Crimea first. Now it's Donbass. What's next? I have no reason to believe Putin's going to stop. But I don't know for sure. I really don't. And I can say this. We care about it. I don't see a reason for the U.S. to be intervening in any hard capacity. It's not our border. It's not it's not our neighbor. We have a problem with our neighbor, with Mexico. We have a problem with our border, yet we're concerned about Russia's border. It's it's pathetic. Let's read the news. Fox News reports. They say CBS News is being ripped by critics for blaming increased gas prices, inflation and supply chain issues on Russia and the crisis in Ukraine rather than the Biden administration's handling of the economy. The U.S. economy has been hit with increased gas prices, inflation and supply chain issues due to the Ukraine crisis. The Liberal Network wrote in a Tuesday tweet linking to an article that described what could happen as a result of Russian action in Ukraine rather than economic challenges already impacting Americans. Despite the ongoing struggles hitting wallets across the country, the piece also claimed that Americans were able to weather spikes in the price of goods because of government-provided enhanced unemployment benefits during the height of the coronavirus pandemic, stimulus payments, and tax credits. I saw this video. Uh, let, let, let me slow, slow down uh, and preface this with, if you follow me on Twitter, um, you can look at my follow, who I follow, and you'll notice that I follow left-wing activists, journalists, right-wing activists, right-wing journalists, left-wing journalists, whatever. I was watching a video from the uh, from a Democratic super PAC group called Midas Touch. It's this woman who is uh, called Politics Girl. And, um, you know, I'm not a big fan, but uh, I, I do enjoy seeing the perspective and, and hearing the arguments that the establishment activists put out. And her position was that gas prices are going up because during the pandemic, with demand for gas going down, oil producers, they, they slowed drilling. They restricted production. OPEC as well was doing a similar strategy. And now that things are reopening, they're artificially keeping supply low to force. Uh, so, so there's constraints on demand, which make the prices go up and then they can recuperate their losses from the pandemic. You know, the funny thing is she's not wrong. I, I watch these videos and I'm like, man, I just wish she had the full picture on this. That's not the only reason gas prices are high. It is a contributing factor. We've, I've, I've read many articles talking about demand shocking the system. The problem is at the same time as this is going on, Joe Biden is restricting production on, on, on public lands for fracking. 
He has uh, rescinded the permitting for Keystone Pipeline and has other, in, in, uh, otherwise, as, as the president and leader of this country, whether you like it or not, expressed disdain for energy production. The result is this. When it comes to banning of fracking, when it comes to Keystone, you are going to be a, see a shock from speculators. Speculators will then start buying up as much as they can, driving the demand. The demand is not just magically reappearing because the pandemic is over. So it is true that these companies are trying to make more money. But demand is spiking because of speculation. Why? <clears throat> well, for a variety of reasons. One, what these oil companies are doing, what Joe Biden is doing. Under Donald Trump, we were energy independent. Gas Man, there's a photo that goes viral. The Trump supporters love to share it around. $1.77 for gas. Where I'm at, an hour outside of D.C., we had gas at a buck eighty. Amazing. And, you know, if you're a working class person, if you run a small business, if you're working paycheck to paycheck, that matters. Because now it's twice the price. And that's going to ripple across everything. So I can respect there's there's some element of truth to what these greedy corporations, they call it, or OPEC are doing. But man, if only we had, if only we were striving for energy independence, <clears throat> could we then maybe resist those price increases? Well, here we go. While Joe Biden shuts down production in the United States, we, we end up with sanctions being lifted on Nord Stream 2. Now, I, I know the sanctions are probably coming back. Uh, Germany is halting production because of what Russia is doing in Ukraine. All of this will lead to an escalation of prices. But stop playing these games, man. Look, the reality is mainstream corporate press is going to carry water for the Democratic establishment. These political activists are going to do the same thing, and they're going to convince people to believe half-truths or just half of the story. Fox News continues. They say, Critics took to social media to rip CBS News, with some, with some accusing it of undertaking an ingenious effort to cover up the Biden administration's economic failures. Dinesh D'Souza says, check out this ingenious effort to cover up the failures of the Biden administration. It's all due to what Putin is doing in Ukraine. I love this. Um, uh, Libby Emmons of the Post Millennial tweeted, or I think it was Libby. She said, uh, what, maybe it wasn't, but she, I think she said that, oh no, no, I'm sorry, it was Lauren Chen. Lauren Chen said, that time I didn't turn my homework in in the eighth grade was due to, uh, to, the, to the conflict, to the crisis in Ukraine. And then Cassandra Fairbanks made a similar joke. I tweeted, I accidentally ate a whole pizza due to the conflict uh, in, in Ukraine. That's the joke. Yo, it just started. My, Matt Kibbe says this is hysterical. I love it, man. Todd Starnes, this is simply not true. Not your huckleberry says they really think Americans are stupid. Elise Stefanik. No, don't let them get away with it. Due to Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi's failed far left policies, thanks. The new scapegoat has just dropped. Lauren Chen says enemy of the people with a clown emoji. Look, I want to slow down a little bit, everybody. To everybody who is just coming out and mocking CBS, I really think you need some substance behind these tweets. When Fox News comes out and says inflation and gas prices will get worse if Russia invades, and then you go to the actual CBS article and they outright say, if Russia makes a run on Ukraine, we could see oil prices over $100 a barrel next week, said Patrick DeHaan, head of petroleum analysis, uh, analyst, analysis sorry, at GasBuddy, adding that average gas prices across the U.S. are likely to hit $4 a gallon in the weeks or months to come. That is four, that $4 is something we haven't seen in, a long in so long. It would cause shockwaves across America. Half-truths. 
half-truths. You've got to counter the half-truths with the other morsel of truth missing from the narrative. Just coming out and insulting the media, I'm not trying to drag anybody, but I don't think it's enough. You got to point out that Joe Biden's policies had direct impacts on the economy. To put it simply, COVID was a real problem. Donald Trump suffered as much uh, as a leader, as much as Joe Biden uh, did because of COVID. What, what I'm saying here is when COVID has an impact on people's ability to work, it doesn't matter who the leader is. And you've got to be honest about this. Don't be like CBS. Joe Biden is not 100% the cause. Now I get it. I know conservatives know that. I know Trump supporters know that. I know the anti-establishment, anti-Democrat types know all that. I'm just saying, put it in your messaging. Don't just come out and be like the media lies. You know what I mean? I, I can respect it, but I think we need to point out the very simple chain of events. Keystone Pipeline was going to be built. There was, a, I believe the projections were within several years, we would see, um, you know, uh, was it crude from the tar sands I believe, up in Canada coming down and transporting this uh, energy source to the U.S. And when it was shut down, speculators looking at the growth prospects for the United States said, we will not be able to meet demand unless we have fracking and, and, and oil transport. Due to the Biden administration's shuttering of this, it's not just about the one pipeline. It's that you can expect other pipelines and other infrastructure not to be approved or to be jammed up. You could expect politics to play a role in why energy isn't being transported properly or produced. Fracking, for instance. Not saying I'm a big fan of fracking, but I get why we do it. Speculators then said, if I buy oil now, the price will skyrocket and I can sell it. You got a problem? Blame the speculators. I'm not a fan of speculators. Buying stuff and extracting value from the system at a time of crisis, I'm no fan of. But they saw what Biden was doing and they took advantage. That's not the only reason, okay? The other issue is that demand generally just spikes for a variety of reasons when Joe Biden starts enacting certain policies. It's one issue, but it does play a major role because when that happens, and speculators come in, and you got to understand these are institutional speculators. They're big companies. They're oil producers themselves. It's going to negatively impact people. You can argue that we blame the speculators and the oil companies and not Joe Biden. And I think it's a fair point. But why did Joe Biden shut down Keystone? No, for real. Like, why? Now, the argument from the left is, oh, but it, it's dangerous and it, and, it, and it leaks and gets oil everywhere. I'm like, that's true. And freight leaks as well. When you're transporting via freight, you get tons of uh, uh, catastrophe the same. They just don't pay attention to that stuff. They come out with stories like this. You know, the other, the other big issue here, I love it. Rob Eno says this all magically happened in 24 hours. The other big issue here is they want you angry with Russia. Don't fall for it. There are real reasons to be upset with Russia for what Russia is doing. And there's real reasons to be upset with the, with the Biden administration and with Democrats over what they're doing with the southern border. Last night, we had Steve Renee on from Fortitude Ranch. They're a, a survival camp and community. He made an excellent point. He said, it's, it's two sides of the coin. You know, you don't got to be, you don't have to um, ignore what's happening in Ukraine just because something's happening in the United States. And you need to understand the southern border in the US, U.S. being porous. That is the policy. And so it's funny. He made a great point. A lot of people are pointing out the southern border is in crisis, but we're focusing on Ukraine's border. And his response is, yeah, but the southern border being in crisis is on purpose. And what's happening in Ukraine is not. Or you can argue is mostly not. I don't trust the Biden administration. 
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I think they very much want this conflict. I think that under Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin wasn't advancing the way he is. Look, they took Crimea in 2014. Vladimir Putin could have gone into the Donbass region then when these regions declared independence. He didn't do it. In fact, after the Donbass eastern region in Ukraine declared independence, even Russia said we don't recognize it. But now under Joe Biden, all of a sudden Putin says, I do recognize it. Makes no sense, does it? Oh, it actually does. Under Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin was worried. He was scared of the man. Now, I'm not saying Vladimir Putin feared walking up to Trump like as if Trump was going to hit him. Come on. Vladimir Putin's got military training. Some people are like, he was just a lawyer in the KGB. He wasn't a secret agent. I'm not saying he's a secret agent, but the dude certainly knows how to do jujitsu at the very least. He's not worried. He's not scared of Trump as a human being. He's scared of Trump as a president because he knows that during the Trump administration, if he made one move on Eastern Ukraine, Trump would start mashing the buttons. He didn't even know what Trump would be doing. You ever try playing Texas Hold'em against people who don't know how to play? You don't even know what they're doing. I, it's it's a it's funny. It really really is. You know. So we we played poker a couple weekends ago, and some of the people didn't know how to play or what a flush was, and so they didn't know the value of hands, and so they bet erratically. And it's hard to read them because you're effectively playing the deck at that point. Now I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on hold'em or anything like that. The point is, if you know you're playing against someone who knows strategy and knows the value of cards, and they're trying to you know play correctly, you can better predict their moves. But if someone's just acting randomly and sporadically, it's guesswork. And that point, you're only playing based on the strength of your own hand. For Vladimir Putin, he knew the strength of his own hand was not enough to overcome Trump losing it. So what happens? Nothing. There were some, some instances of conflict in Crimea, the Black Sea with Ukraine under Trump. But for the most part, Putin didn't do anything. Now that Biden's in, Putin says, I know what they're willing to accept and I know what I can get away with. Joe Biden comes out and he says, if there's a minor incursion, you know, we'll see what happens. And Putin's like, I know I can t- I can move some troops into the eastern region and Biden won't do anything about it. He's too scared. What would Trump have done? Trump would be like, I don't like what he's doing. I'm pressing these three buttons. And they're like, Trump, uh, Mr. President, those fire cruise missiles. I don't know, whatever. And he's mashing buttons. I know I'm kidding. Donald Trump would just mash the buttons, but he'd be like, I want swift action in Ukraine. I will not tolerate this. I will not be the president to allow this to happen. And they're going to be like, sir, that will result in mass damage. He's like, I will not be the president. Trump would have been like, don't you dare. And Putin knew someone uh, that Trump was a madman. That's it. I'm not saying Trump was was, was the best at this or anything. I'm saying he was unpredictable and he was aggressive. And Putin knew it. Under Donald Trump, Gas prices were dropping. Unemployment in the, minor, in, in the black and Latino communities were lower, lower than they've, they've been in decades or generations. The economy was, as Jim Cramer put it, the best numbers of our lives. How did that happen under Donald Trump, that your life improved? And you know what? Well, obviously we know. I mean, Donald Trump's policies worked for, what, for whatever they were. They were working. And then you get Joe Biden. 
And boy, within a year, the worst inflation we've seen. And what do they say? Don't blame Joe Biden. It's COVID. Don't blame Joe Biden. It's Russia. Spare me. Okay. Come 2022, I hope the people, uh, the election this year, I should say, come November, I hope people realize, I hope people understand what Democrat policy has gotten you. Sure, maybe the social justice warriors are happy, but how's your paycheck? You, the working class American, how's gas prices? How's food costs? How's the food shortage? How's your job going? I think Joe Biden's been an absolute disaster, and it's only been one year. Certainly, this man cannot run for re-election. So I don't know what they're going to do. But I'll tell you this. They're gonna, Democrats are going to need to have a primary to figure out who will be running in 2024 because it ain't going to be Joe Biden. And if it is, wow. Wow. Um, look, I'll say I didn't think Biden could have won in the first place, but I underestimated people's hatred of Trump. That's a reality. I can't imagine people would vote for Joe Biden again after as bad as everything's been. But who knows, man? You know, we're, we're looking at what, two and a half, three years almost. That's an eternity in, 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 in political in politics. For all we know, Joe Biden gets some cyborg surgery and then flies in on a jetpack with rocket boots or something. I don't know. Obviously, that won't happen. I'm kidding. But, um, you know, maybe something changes. Maybe maybe he really turns things around. He's got a couple of years to do it. All that really matters is the pa- is the last few months. But if it gets too bad, if this gets really, really bad, there's no amount of time that would heal this, heal this wound. If you experience a loss of career, a loss of life, a loss of um, liberties, you're going to remember it. Now, if things are relatively stable going into 2024, the last few months are all that matters. How are things going? Keep them going. Okay. Change them. Okay. I think people are not going to forget what this was all about. I think this war could escalate, and I think we're going to see a major change in November, but we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.